let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, I am here with CityCast audio producer Julia Karen and contributor Dan Reed, and we are talking air quality, metro aesthetics, and because it is July and it is hot, we are talking ice cream. Today is Friday, July 7th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Uh, so, Julia, we had another uh, couple days of Canadian smoke in our uh, city. Canadian smoke seems sort of like a euphemism for something like bad. I don't, I don't know. Yes, what. it does. Or, or like a band name, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but in fact, there was like actual smoke and it was actually from Canada. As mm. folks know, the air quality codes got bad again. Uh, summer camps were canceled. Things stank, literally. It was uh, way more smoky than anything we could do with fireworks a few days later on the 4th of July. <laughs> Julia has been, uh, looking around at ways of uh, improving your own personal air quality. What'd you learn? Yeah, okay. So if you want clean air and you don't want to get like sick in the winter or have your allergies affect you in the spring, you should have a high quality air filter in your home, in your apartment, in your condo, wherever you're living. You should have something of that nature. Basically, because some houses obviously come with more advanced AC systems, you could get a brand new HEPA filter, H-E-P-A, that runs around $600. Um, mm. And my, yeah, Dan Dan just looked like he, you know, collapsed when he heard that price tag. But yeah, basically, those are really expensive. And if your unit doesn't have that kind of air quality filter system, you could MacGyver it. <laughs> that, is, that is a possibility. Basically, you're going to get a square fan. You're going to buy a HEPA filter, which is like the one that's a similar size to the actual square fan, and then put the filter on the fan, like attach it via duct tape, just straight up as tight as you can. All of this is from our newsletter writer, Kayla. She is the real mad genius among us. She's the actual MacGyver. You should subscribe to her by texting DC to 66866 if you want to MacGyver your own <laughs> air filter. So that's the first one. The second one is from Washington Post reporter Lena Sun. She made what's called a Corsi Rosenthal box. Uh, apparently, Corsi and Rosenthal were the guys who invented this during the summer of the pandemic. It uses four of the HEPA filters, like four of them in like a cube. And you attach a 20-inch fan on top with cardboard. You use your scissors. You duct tape it together. All of the filters have to have this MERV-13 rating, which basically refers to the filter's ability to trap particles in size. It looks like an air filtration cube. It looks like something like the Borg would have in Star Trek. It's wild. Uh, but basically, what happens is when the fan is turned on, 
the air gets pulled through all the sides of the box. So it sucks in all the air. Uh, and then the filters trap all the contaminated particles. And then there's clean air that just flows into the middle of the box and it's pushed back out into your house. Uh, basically, it just needs to be plugged into a normal electrical outlet. Uh, and basically, not only can uh, the boxes reduce the spread of pathogens like coronavirus, uh, they also reduce other particles such as those generated by wildfires as well as dust and pollens. So guys, are you going to make one of these Corsi Rosenthal boxes for your houses? I wasn't before, but the way you've described it seems way less intimidating. I know how to make a box. <laughs> we know shapes. We know geometry. <laughs> Mike, how are you feeling about this? I have a, I mean, in our like air conditioning system, you know, we have to put in a new filter every couple of months. This is not like a HEPA filter. This is like mm -hmm. a you buy a box of like eight of them on Amazon for like 20 bucks or something kind of filter. I was um, maybe naive and thinking <laughs> like, uh, this is cool. I'm good. Um, but apparently uh, in Julia slash MacGyver world, it requires more heroic measures. But, but here's like a real question. Is there any sense of whether we are in for another uh, set of smoke days? So all of the reports that I've seen have this continuing until October. Like, we're going to continue mm -hmm. to get more code oranges, maybe some code reds. I don't know that code purple and, like, the, you know, worst of the worst is going to be out there. But the short answer is we're kind of in this for the long haul. And also, as climate change increases, takes a larger toll on the environment, more of this is going to become more common. Um, there's going to be more wildfires and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. My view is get yourself one of these Corsi Rosenthal boxes. Make it yourself. And I guess save yourself from not only the Canadian wildfires of today, uh, but also the future flu season and allergy seasons of the next year. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in D.C. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow! There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. All right, so friend of CityCast, Jordan Pascal at uh, DCist had a piece up uh, this week about the preponderance of metro trains that are wrapped. And uh, by wrapped, I mean uh, when the sort of usual look of the of the train car is replaced with a giant like train car sized advertisement or statement, you know, celebrating something uh, that it's usually a bright uh, color, uh, a real break in the uh, the visual topography of Metro. Uh, this is uh, something that, that Metro historically, uh, like they didn't like stuff like this. I and mean, people who design new transit systems are kind of obsessed with branding and consistency of looks, uh, which just helps people find their way and so on. But uh, this is apparently a, a thing under the new uh, leader of WMATA, uh, Randy Clark. And the idea is that these 
wraps. Uh, well, there's two things. One, they are occasionally profitable, which is a nice thing at, given that they are in some financial trouble. So you can make it an actual advertisement, like for the, the wizard's uh, jerseys. Or they can celebrate something like Pride Month or, or, or what have you. Um, uh, and in you know, his theory, it makes it more festive and uh, sort of anything that helps make the Metro seem festiver is better. Um, I don't know. What, what do you all think? I think this is pretty cool. You know, part of our local culture over the past decade and a half has been like ragging on Metro. Mm. And this is an opportunity to not just celebrate it. Like, hey, look at this cool train that I happen to see today, uh, brighten my day. But also to sort of rebuild like the local perception and culture around the system and get people excited about it again and give people a reason to ride, right? Because like they might they might catch the train with the Nats stuff on it or the Cherry Blossom train or the Pride train. I think that this is all well and good and a good faith effort. I will say it does have to be coupled with like actually getting trains on time to people, right? Very much like, so. Like it can't just be like, here's a Christmas present, but you unwrap <laughs> it and it's coal, right? right? It has to also, I'm serious. It has to also be like, here's this beautiful, magnificent train. All of my friends were obsessed with the pride train. I think this is a really cool concept, but I think it's also got to be coupled with service improvements too. You can't just wrap up a shiny thing and be like, hey, Metro's great. You got to, couple it with the service that people actually want, you know? And that's what's cool about this is because those two goals are often in tension, right? Like right. making it cool and making it functional. This is affordable enough. It's only, I think, $5,000 per car to wrap it in, uh, in decorations. So it's a way to get people excited about Metro without necessarily sucking away resources from making it like, you know, come when you want it to. Exactly. Yeah, that, you know, that, in like the history of Metro, right? That they, when they built this thing and they were obsessed with like not having it be like the New York subway, which in the 60s and 70s was considered so dangerous and they wanted Metro not to be that way. And they made the stations dark. And the idea was it was going to like calm people down. And like, there wasn't going to be a lot of like, I mean, there was a little bit of advertising, but not much. And the flip side of that is it's not, not that much fun. And at the particular time when they are strapped, it is leaving money on the table. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun and do and and the idea is that sort of it like it builds a culture, which is I think the point. It builds a culture for the city. Like, hey, we are all excited about uh, the cherry blossoms. Which I, I'm rarely excited about the cherry blossoms, <laughs> but then, like, then I feel like more like an outlier. Um, or it gives them a chance to like make some money. And I'm just going out on a limb here, but I don't think there's anybody who's like going to be sitting there wondering whether or not to jump someone in the metro who is going to be pushed one way or the other by the presence of a of a wrapped train and um i think it's cool it makes it it, it adds to the amount of visual variety and that's fun i think we should get the city cast marketing people to uh, to wrap a train for us i want a city cast train if dan is going to be taking a train these days it being summer he is likely taking it to a place where he can buy ice cream because a uh, little known secret here at CityCast, Dan Reed is an ice cream admirer of Biden-esque extremes. <laughs> what do you think is the best? Where should we go? Sure. So as, as Mike noted, I'm really into ice cream. I worked at the locally beloved Giffords Ice Cream and Candy Company in college back when it was still around. And Rest in peace, Giffords. Rip. Uh, learned the ins and outs of making ice cream and also all of the summer shenanigans that comes with working with a bunch of teenagers in an ice cream shop. And I get to relive that nostalgia every summer uh, by going to try as much ice cream as I can. And thankfully, Eater has a list of the best ice cream places in the area. 
There are a bunch of national chains that have come to the area recently, like Jenny's and Van Van Leeuwen. Is that how it's pronounced? Yep, I don't know. Van Leeuwen. Uh, <laughs> and but what really excites me are some of the local spots included in the list, such as Marenko's here in Silver Spring. It's the best ice cream I could walk to from my house, which to be fair is a low bar. But uh, there's also Hovermail's Tastes Best in Fort Washington, uh, old school like 1950s style stand that you walk up to, and Toby's in Arlington which is um, like an old school like ice cream parlor that like you walk into and stuff in an old shopping center. So I've always thought of ice cream as something you do not like travel for. You get it mm-hmm. where you are. If you're at home, you will maybe walk to a place near home. If you're you know out, you see a place. But the idea of like traveling to a different neighborhood or a different city for ice cream, the way you might for like a, a, a really fancy meal, seems like something I'd never thought to do is do you do that? Do you like wake up in the morning and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to, to Fort Washington to try this ice cream? I, I do. <laughs> in fact, you know, I, in grad school, I like mapped out how many people in Montgomery County could walk to an ice cream shop for this exact problem because not everybody can. You were very concerned about ice cream deserts. I was. Uh, I, and I still am. <laughs> As we all should be. As we all should be. Yeah. And that extends to ice cream trucks, right? Like I you know, Wait, did you actually get one for your birthday party? I did. Uh, I used to live in Philly, and they have the Mr. Softy truck there, and I loved it. And I would every time I heard it, I would like run out of my house and go uh, flag it down. They have a franchise in Montgomery County now. And since the ice cream truck does not come by my house every day in the summer like it may have in the past, you can book the Mr. Softy truck for events. So I booked one for my birthday this year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where, where, was, where was my invite, Dan? Next year. Next year. <laughs> but how much does that cost? A couple hundred dollars. But it's like, a, it's like if you, like you do a happy hour at a bar, right? Like there's like a food and beverage minimum. So you pay him like some flat fee. And then on top of that, you pay for uh, everything that your guests consumed. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Like I, you know, my five-year-old neighbor got three milkshakes in an hour. Like that's, I'm happy to have made his day slash life. Oh, my God. So I have kids who are... Um, particularly my younger kid, like there's a, a fairly uh, elaborate ice cream place uh, in my neighborhood. And um, we walked up there and uh, she saw what I'd paid for an ice cream cone for her, which I thought was very generous. And she said to me, dad, you know, at my age, we really care about quantity more than quality. I think she would have just been just as happy if we'd gone to the Safeway and I'd gotten like a gallon of something that she could have eaten all day. But, uh, you know, that's uh, the mouths of babes and all that. <laughs> Kids don't have a lot of patience either. Like the, there is no joy in driving an hour for ice cream when you are a child with no concept of time. No. All right. So, what is your uh, summer ice cream list this year? So every summer, I make a pilgrimage to Jimmy Cone in Damascus, which is a stand that has been around for over sixty years. It is cheap. <laughs> it's like soft serve, right? So like maybe if, you, if you're looking for quantity, it is there and quality. I'm looking forward to trying some of the new places that have opened recently, including Everyday Sunday on Kennedy Street uh, in DC. And just last night, for research, of course, hmm. I visited the Charmery, which is a Baltimore-based chain that just opened a new location in Chevy Chase uh, and is also going to be opening at the parks at Walter Reed soon. And it was fine. <laughs> I have a new, there's a place on Connecticut Avenue near my house, near Connecticut, Nebraska, Honey Bee Goods, which is brand new and good. I'm uh, partial to that because I want uh, there to be uh, walkable ice cream for as uh, much of my life as possible. Yeah. It's the best ice cream you can walk to from your house. Exactly. It is. So the best ice cream that I can walk to from my house is the Target that is two seconds away. And I just <laughs> go down the stairs and grab it. 
If I'm out with friends, though, I feel like I have I have two brackets of ice cream. There's like gelato ice cream, and then there's ice cream ice cream. Very much so, different. Right. I, I'm a woman of science. I need the, the categorization. And so if it's ice cream ice cream, I think Ice Cream Jubilee is like not so secretly the best one in the city. The woman who runs it is a Seven Sisters alum, Go Wellesley. Mm. Also, they have a flair called Marion Berry. As it turns out, Marion Berries are real berries. It's true. Who possibly could have known. So, like, <laughs> that's plus one for the DC reference, right? Like, you gotta you gotta hand it to them. If I'm in the mood for gelato, Dolcezza is, I think, one of my more favorite ones every year. My college has an alum thing called Mountain Day where you're supposed to blow off work and get ice cream. I do not actually blow off work. I just go get the ice cream <laughs> after. Uh, and we used to have it at Patango, and the space was too small. But the Dolcezza in City Center is large enough to hold 50 Mount Holyoke alums who all want ice cream and who all just want to hang out and really just want to blow off work. So it's fabulous. Possible hot take. I think Dolcezza is better than Patango. Yes, that's true. Maybe not so hot take. Not a hot take. Cold Fact. take. Fact. Come at me. <laughs> Um, all right. We, so we have a tip of the week every week. And this week, conveniently, it's about ice cream. And it's from Julia. What do you got? So uh, because I don't live super close to any of the ice cream shops that you all frequent, I'm not in walking distance of any of them, really. You can buy a lot of the local purveyors of ice cream. Jenny's, which is a national chain, obviously, but also Ice Cream Jubilee, Dolcezza. Uh, Van Leeuwen, you can find them in your grocery stores. So I would check out your grocery store. Like if you live near a street, that's the local grocery store that's in front of my apartment. Check them out, see if they have your local favorite, and then stock up. And every day can be an ice cream day in the comfort of your own home. Dan Reed, Julia, Karen, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. Our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye. I want Dan Reed's face on that train. God, no. You could retire. <laughs> this is as a greater, greater Washington contributor. Having your face on a metro train, I think, would be the the. the it's not going to get better in your career.